Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. COVID? No, thankfully. But Get some juice. I mean, Monday was my birthday and my brother was here and we were out in Brooklyn from like well, first of all, it started the day before. And then we were out in Brooklyn from like four to midnight, which for me is you know, that's not a thing. Yeah. So um I'm gonna go ahead. Yes, that's by the way. Since since we're just talking here on the Monsters of Socks, we're going to start with Brooklyn very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> Every, all, everyone's favorite topic. We're listen, listen. You want more Brooklyn bar talk. We went from the Floyd to Grand Army to O'Keefe's. Now, we tried to go to the Nets game, but the people didn't send our Ticketmaster tickets in time. So just Really? Yes. Wow. Because at Barclays Center, apparently, you have to – they don't allow SeatGeek, the third-party broker, to actually hold the ticket. Mm-hmm. So when you buy a ticket on SeatGeek at Barclays, it, the, the person who holds it gets a message saying you have to transfer it. And that person just never did that. Yeah, that sucks. I didn't know that – I didn't even know that could be a thing. Um, that really sucks. You did. If I could just criticize your bar choices, you you went in descending order of goodness from those well, three bars. But but hold on, there is a ma- there's a method to the madness here. 
A, we were going toward the Barclays Center and I used to live right across from Grand Army, like right across from it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's go there. And my brother's a vegetarian, but, and this is interesting. He eats oysters because he says it's good to eat bivalves. I have heard other vegetarians claim this. No, he yeah, lives so- on Martha's Vineyard, so this is very convenient. So he's not a pescatarian. Like oysters are the only seafood Correct. he'll eat. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I, he so knows what... oyster farmers. Yeah. And they say it's good. You're supposed to eat them. Well, yeah. Of course, the oyster farmers say that. I wouldn't expect I, them to say anything else. Of course. What's his? What is the actual reasoning other than it's good? You're supposed to eat them because that's could be true of a lot of things. That I don't know. This was not the eating. second bar in a two day adventure. I couldn't tell you the specifics. Got it. Okay. But then I'll, we I'll went to. It, I know that is a thing. We went to the stadium, but he was staying at the new hotel, which is all the way back by Court Street. Yeah. And so I was just like the sports bar. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. I've spent Anyhow, a lot of time at O'Keefe's, a lot of time at Floyd, not so much at Grand Army. Of course not. You can't afford to. Like that's the point. Yeah. Do they still have dollar oysters at Grand Army? No, they had uh, twenty five. They had twelve for twenty five dollars, and this was Saturday night at peak time. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. I, I once did. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I still have it, and I'll send it your way. <laughs> Although it's extremely out of date right now, but I did once uh, maintain a spreadsheet of dollar oyster deals throughout uh, Lower Manhattan and Brooklyn. It's very smart of you. Now, before we lose all the rest of our listenership, let's talk about something that sucks: the Red Sox. <laughs> you mean, well, the Red Sox are mid. The Red Sox the are vibes mid. around them suck right now. That's for damn sure. So a very important thing about when this podcast is coming out, it's coming out on the day that the brass is going to speak to the media. Uh, oh, yes, that is correct. Yeah, I was about to correct you and say, no, that's tomorrow. But now I get what you're doing. Correct. So obviously <clears throat> that is going to dominate I mean, it kind of dominated the narrative of the season last year. It could do the same this year. I don't think we're going to hear anything different than, than than what we've already heard from them this week. And, okay, so speaking of that. Full throttle. Lot... The throttle is dead. No, I think full throttle is the place to start because that's. Yeah. Though we're a couple days behind now, it's it's still funny. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you a question about the throttle. The full throttle era is over. In your opinion, was that just a sloppy quote slash maybe a little bit of puffery when Tom Werner said full throttle back in October? Or has something changed between that day and today? I think I sort of inherently think it's the first one, but Mm -hmm. also very obviously things have changed and Werner alluded to that. And basically they're like, we thought we had a shot at Yamamoto and it's like, and then we learned, no, we didn't. Nope. Yeah. No, that's easy to say. And that might not be true, but. I really do think, I think it kind of is all about Yamamoto. You know, I remember on this pod with you at the beginning of the off season, 
beginning of the offseason, but post full throttle. I asked you a question and I said, you know, looking at the landscape of free agents and trade targets out there, if we sort of concede that Otani and Juan Soto aren't really ideal fits for the Red Sox right now, then what does full throttle mean other than Yamamoto? And the more I think about it, the more I think they really just, I, I think Craig Breslow's plan, I think I think what he told them in the interview, I think what their plan was before they met the media was we're going to go after Yamamoto hard. We're going to be willing to go up to 300 million if that's what it takes. And we'll get Yamamoto. And then I'm going to flip prospects for number two. And we'll be ready to roll. And then it turns out that for the 27th time since since the John Lester negotiations, they misread the market. They needed 350 for Yamamoto. They weren't prepared to do that. And Craig Breslow learned that trading for the most valuable commodity in baseball, a young cost-controlled starter, is a lot harder than he thought it was. So, I mean, I agree. And I am conscious of the fact that everything I say is going to be balanced about what I said about Bloom. But I also need to point out that by this point, well, yeah, uh, like right around this point is when Mookie was traded, right? It was like mid, right? It was like early January January 20th or something. Oh, I thought, okay. Well, I thought the trade happened. Then they were like, no, Brewster Greater all. mm, mm, Oh, that's mm." true. I did forget that it took like a week. Right. So I think that the difference is that I believe Breslow and he's, and he's like, Oh, you know, we need to build up the team. And it's like, uh, yeah, the last guy just destroyed it. Of course you need to do that. The funny part is the same exact thing Bloom said. So it's easy to look at them side by side. And again, I just, if Breslow had a learning on the job moment that happens. And if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen now. We will, you know, as you said, we don't know what they're going to do, but I think we have talked about, and Breslow talked about this, and now it's true, like that this is not the the critical off season, but I do suspect that could have been. It could have been. I, 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 it's not. It's no longer the critical off season, but it could have been if they were prepared to go full throttle for Yamamoto, which they weren't. Sometimes you go full throttle and another car is just still faster. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying the John Henry couldn't just buy him. Of course he could. Yeah. Except for maybe this might be the one case where he couldn't because this is an incredibly uh, unusual situation where the greatest player in the history of baseball goes to the biggest team in baseball takes $2 million a year. And it sure seems to me to be like, Hey, get Yamamoto in here with me. Uh, and, and let's run this thing. Yeah. And by the way, I, I mean, regardless of whether that's true or not, the Dodgers are going to be fucking awesome. And yeah. the Red Sox weren't going to be. So the, here's where I disagree with you. I don't, I would not expect 
Craig Breslow of all people to come in here and make them a contender in an offseason in his first few months on the job. That's what they literally told us they were going to do the okay. day they introduced him. Okay. The, the quote was, we know we have to be competitive next year. We're going to be competitive next year. Okay. That's a direct However, quote. okay, that's fine. What is my main issue with the people who own the Boston Red Sox with respect to their truth? with respect to telling the truth is that they never do it. So that, I mean, I never, but you and I, it's not like, Oh, I haven't talked to you since then. And all this. No, we were talking at the time about how the Red Sox are. They could be respectable, respect, respectably competitive next year with like Yamamoto, like real competitive. Now, they definitely let the foot off the throttle because they're all but admitting that that's not going to happen. But but that's okay. But hold on, still... one question, one question, question. How much do you think that this might have changed after the Grissom deal, making it making it while not ideal and definitely not full throttle, a a softer exit ramp. I don't think the Grissom deal changed much. I think that's a deal that they would have been happy to do no matter what. I mean, we we talked about this the last time we potted, and I spent 10 minutes gushing over the trade. I think it's a phenomenal trade. I think it's at the very least the best trade the Red Sox have made since the Schwarber deal, and it's maybe even better than that. It's almost certainly going to end up with a with a more accumulated war than the, oh, than the Schwarber yeah, deal. If you want to just you know look at it crudely like that, so I think that's a deal they would have made no matter what. Um, the difference is that now they're not going to get that second pitcher, or really second and third pitcher at this point, because that was their goal coming into the offseason was to get two. Giolito really doesn't count as one of those two because he's just replacing Chris Sale. Um, you know, so no, if they were no, 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 he absolutely counts. <laughs> I don't oh. care how many innings Chris Sale pitched last year; he absolutely counts. All right, fair enough. Um, you know, so I think, but but what what I don't understand though, and is they still can be respectively competitive next year. They well, really can. I, well, Jordan Montgomery they, makes them respectively competitive. Right. So that's why it's like, we, so what the, the off shit? season, the off season, it's, but here's the, it's not just the Red Sox. The off season now just goes right up until the pitches start in the regular season. These free agents. Now they want to be presumably at spring training, right? Like Justin Turner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, but to the extent everything we're hearing indicates that everything everything we're hearing indicates that they are out on Montgomery. Fine, everything we're hearing. Fine, but he's still out there, and there are other players out there. My point just being, it's longer. If they're out on Montgomery, it's probably because their vision was Yamamoto and Giolito, and they're like, oh, we're gonna have two. But uh, we thought we are going to have a, at least a, a good one. So if they're – I mean, I have, n- have never been as 
on the pro Montgomery train as other people. I've just sort of been like, okay, that would be fine. And I'm fine if they do it. And I'm fine if they're not going to do it. Cause I'm hopefully pessimistic about next year. Although that makes no sense. I don't know if I am fine if they don't do it. And, and I, and I agree with you that I've never been a huge Montgomery guy either. I think his value is being hugely inflated by the postseason run. He went on. He's not a strikeout guy, which doesn't bode well in front of this Red Sox defense. Although, you know, with Trevor, a healthy season with Trevor's story, things should be much, much better in that. What did you say? I'm sorry. What did you say? With a healthy season of Trevor's story, mm. things should be things mm. would be much much better in that regard. So no, like I don't view Jordan Montgomery as some sort of like team savior, but I do view him as someone who makes the team better. And I am so sick. I am really really sick of this attitude of this 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 attitude where you chain yourself to the idea of a championship window. And unless and unless you're ready to win 95 games in the division, there's no point in getting a little bit better. That is bullshit for so many reasons. First of all, there's just there's value in just putting a better team on the field. For, and, and I don't even just mean monetary value. I mean, like, what the hell are we doing here? Supporting baseball. Like, like there's value in giving fans a little bit of, of, of reason to believe, even if we're not stupid. And even if we know Jordan Montgomery, isn't the difference between last place and a world series championship, there's value in just saying, Hey, the pitching staff was a disaster last year. We set out this off season to improve it. And we did, we didn't improve it in the way we would have liked with Yamamoto, but it's better. Now there's value in just putting a better team on the field. And then, but more importantly, if we're waiting still another year or two before we really hit that championship window and Meyer and Anthony and Teal are up or whatever, Jordan Montgomery will still be on the team. <laughs> he will still be there. And when then when it comes time to add pitchers to the position player core and really hit, hit the next gear, that's one less pitcher you need to add. Like, if you want to make your team better, here's how you do it. You make your team better. All right. You well, try every offseason to improve bit by bit. And Jordan Montgomery would improve the team a little bit. And then he'll still be, and then you'll still have an opportunity to improve over him next year if you want to. I'm not saying, like, you don't have to sign him and say, this guy is our opening day pitcher for the next seven years. You can just sign him and say, this guy is the best pitcher on the 2024 Red Sox. And we don't plan on him being the best pitcher on the 2025 Red Sox. Like you're allowed to do that. You're allowed, you're allowed to get better whenever you want to. You don't have to wait for the fucking window. I really hate the, I, I hate this, this mindset that has crept into baseball. Why Dan is wrong after the break. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. We were talking about Jordan Montgomery, and Dan had a very, very impassioned uh, speech about why, basically, why wouldn't you? And uh, it's uh, it's like my cousin Vinny, Mr. Secatore. It was an eloquent, thoughtful, well-argued objection. Overruled. He's Jordan Montgomery. Who cares? There's other pitchers that will be available. Because I agree he's with you. the best. I, he would be the best I, pitcher on the Red Sox. I agree with you, though, that winning for the sake of winning is valuable. Like, that's the whole reason we do this nonsense. Right? Yeah. We, let, so, we like winning. So what is your – like, I'm not saying give them $200 million. I'm not saying stake the future of your franchise on him. I'm saying he's there. He makes your team better. Sign him. He, yeah, he really saying, reminds me – you know who he reminds me of? It reminds me of the Jack, the John Lackey signing, right? And did the John Lackey deal go as well as everyone wanted it to? No, probably not. Did he make the team better? Yeah, he did. Did he help them win the World Series in 2013? Yeah, he did. I think and, John, and Lackey's, it, John Lackey's ceiling was distinctly higher than Jordan Montgomery's. Uh, yeah, probably was, but he was also, you know, I never expected John Lackey to be an ace. I don't think anyone did. People I mean, expected Lester and Buckles to be the ace. I mean, I sure did for one offseason. The first, the first one of his career. Motherfucker started uh, game seven of the World Series as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty true. impressive. That's true. But then, you know, six years later, by the time he's a free agent, I think we all kind of knew what he was. He's a, he's, he's a, really good number two to have on your team that's that's what he was in every way i had a beer with his principal once have i told this story on the pod nope i had a beer at a bar in chicago called the map room uh I'm, great I'm, great what, beer spot of, of course you were at the map room i mean that is a compliment <laughs> you i mean know that about, is a compliment i didn't course. know you knew about that i didn't know you about the you knew about the north side spots i thought you were i know no, like it's very short list but there are like we okay. went to the north side. 
Yeah. I, so I had a beer with him and, uh, and, and I said, you know, people don't really like John Lackey in Boston. <laughs> and he said, you know, we didn't really like him back home either. <laughs> I mean, just by the nature of sports and pitching in particular, this is where being an asshole doesn't really hurt unless you are bad and just getting trashed in the clubhouse. Though, I mean, when they did that, when they were winning, nobody cared. So, yeah. What should we talk about next? All right. Well, I I, I want to mention something else about. Oh, boy. Let's do it. Okay, well, I'm, I, there's a lot to unpack about. I the know. Two, look, and 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 you're right. We're kind of we're probably maybe arguably a day late on this by the time it comes out. But we had the Tom Warner quotes in the Mass Live interview. We had the Craig Breslow quotes um, in the in the Boston Globe. I want to shift to 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 Breslow because Warner, whatever, who cares about what an out of touch billionaire has to say. The Breslow quotes have been picked apart a lot, and there is a lot. There's a lot to wrestle with in there. First of all, there's a couple of things that have been like he basically said what the rotation is going to be. <laughs> he said it's going to be Giglio, Bayo, Pavetta, and Cutter, with Winkowski, Whitlock, and and uh, and Tanner Howe competing for the fifth spot. He basically said that they're not going to really do any big moves until Meyer, Anthony, and Teal. Uh, come up and and i think those two things have sort of been the, the biggest the biggest the biggest takeaways people have had um but i got a question for you brian do you happen to know what the question was that was posed to him when he when he gave those three or four paragraphs that have now been passed around red sox twitter do you know what the question was no i'm looking at the article right now but I don't see the question. So the question was, does he believe ownership is committed to building a contender and would spend to reach that goal? And before we got into the four paragraphs, before we got to Meyer Teal and Anthony, before we got to the pitching rotation, before we got to, we have to build the pipeline. The very first words out of his mouth, in response to, do you believe ownership is committed to building a contender and will spend to reach that goal? The very first words out of his mouth were, that's a fair question. I mean, the guy's right. Fair question. The guy's right. He's right. Um, but I can't believe he said that. No, I mean, we, I can't... we have found out that they were – that Bloom had a mandate that was below the luxury tax threshold. You can assume the same for Breslow at the moment, to some degree, but I don't know if that conflicts with Yamamoto or whether Yamamoto was a, a you know, there could be exceptions to the rule, but sure doesn't seem like there have been any. Except for Devers, who's not really an exception to the rule. He's a exception to the rule that most baseball players are you know, replaceable and uh, just not very good because he's not, and he is. He's he's not replaceable in a joy, joyous way. Of course not, no. So it's... But I can't believe he didn't say anything other than, yes, of course they are. Well, I've been so impressed progress? by the winning culture. Isn't this progress? 
Bloom will just lie to your fucking face. Wrestle <clears throat> is like, uh, I like I it. No, I don't. I mean, I I can see that side of it, but I'm that's also like he's just punting it up to Henry. He's like, that's a good who, question. Who like, are also at the same time punting it back to him? Well, because that's okay. the way Werner ended his comments to Mass Live. Well, what I by the again the day this comes out, I imagine by the end of Friday these questions will have been interrogated further because I'm yeah. sure. I know many people share your sentiments. So, but I mean, here that I'll just I'll read it out there directly. Here are the here are the words that Werner ended his mass live interview with. In the end, we don't have a line in terms of our payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Craig is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive. <laughs> I'm not sure that there's a very um, healthy relationship in the Red Sox front office already. I'm really not. It seems like it, already their, their plan A in the offseason is blown up in their faces. And you have Craig Preslow not providing the answer you want to hear to is the ownership committed to winning. And then you have ownership already putting the heat on Breslow. His assurance that we're going to be competitive, which, by the way, the quote that I said 10 minutes ago about we know we have to be competitive next year, we're going to be competitive. That wasn't Craig Breslow. That was Sam Kennedy who said that. And and Tom Werner now spinning it as Breslow's assurance that we're going to be competitive. What are these guys doing? It's... It's just really inexplicable at the same time transparent that Henry just lost interest. That's pretty much, you know, you could say people say these things because they seem right. The, the evidence is right in front of us and a correlation doesn't equal causation, but that's the opposite of Occam's razor, which is like, yeah, you just, doesn't want to spend through the roof to win world series anymore. He feels like they or not even spent through the roof. Don't, don't, don't spend near the roof. Don't, yeah. don't stay away don't from the worry roof. about the roof. The roof, roof is, is leaking. Stay away. We will take, that's our problem. So, I mean, so you think that's what it is. You think, you think he's Henry's just, just not, but that was Warner, right? That was Werner who said that. Yes, Henry. Henry, we're not going to hear. Think, we're not going to hear John Henry speak for another four years. We're not going to hear him them speak until they win the World Series, except for today. Literally, today. no, no, no. He's, he's not. not. Oh, he's not. He is not among. It's going to be Werner and Kennedy and Breslow. He is not speaking to the media today. He's not even. Okay. So here's the problem. For as dopey as John Henry can be, he's not Werner, and Werner is way more of a loose cannon. And that's yeah. that's the explanation. That's what it is. I suppose so. I do think Werner is, yeah, he's a weird guy. I think I think people he's like a us, TV exec, right? He is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think people like us, the unwashed masses, we really, really underestimate 
how different uber uber wealthy people are and how differently their minds work than ours do um you know like i think we have been getting a crash course recently with the bill ackman and elon musk stuff (laughs) i mean it's think think about it this way so here's a sincere question when's the last time that john henry has had a meaningful conversation with someone who is not at least a multimillionaire. I mean, last time he talked to Sam Kennedy. Sam Kennedy's a multimillionaire now too. He's he's got a stake in the team. They give him a stake in the team. Oh my God. Breslow is. Bloom probably wasn't when they hired him, but was by the time they fired him. Uh what? does that mean? Go ahead. And forget about forget about the Red Sox. Like in his day to day life, does he ever have a meaningful conversation with anyone who's not a multimillionaire? Uh, it depends on whatever servant of the moment. That's why happens. I said meaningful. Like, no, I mean like it, I put someone that just has there. to stumble into something he likes, and then he'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" That's and true. Tell maybe. his wife, like, yeah. "Honey, can you believe that woman knew about?" Hermes. <laughs> yeah, like I genuinely I genuinely can't fathom what the answer to that question is. And I think, you know, th- uh, this is true of everybody, not just rich people. Whenever you surround yourself with only one type of person, you end up with the really limited view of the world. And when that one type of person that you surround yourself with is also the type of person who knows that the rules of society don't apply to them like they do the rest of us who don't have a billion dollars then your worldview is not just limited but it's then warped and so i so is john henry less interested does he not care about his reputation i'm not sure we can answer that question because we don't know how his brain we you and i can't fathom how their brains work it's just totally different than us. It's totally different than us. And we and see the flip, but, but the flip side of that is the whole reason he bought the Red Sox in the first place was the same reason. His because mind was like it just because he had enough money that he's like, I want to buy a baseball team. Yeah. And then he bought one. And then he's like, I want to buy a better baseball a team. Better one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And then and, that and, turned and then and that, now I want to buy and now I want to buy a team that's a bigger deal than a baseball team. Yes. So I'll buy a soccer team. Yes. And you know, so we don't know how his mind works. It's really hard for us to figure out and I, I there's no question he's less interested. I do also wonder I was thinking about this this morning. The Red Sox have changed since he's owned the team. And not just because of his own actions. But there was such a fever about the Red Sox and about the Red Sox Yankees rivalry when he bought the team. That I mean, I mean it's I, I honestly I feel bad for younger fans who missed out on it. Because from say 1999 to 2005, maybe not quite that long, maybe it's just 03 and 04. But there was a period of time Do not where there dare besmirch 1999 well no, no now hold it on ended you, very you didn't even hear what i was gonna say <laughs> what I'm i was gonna more, say i'm warning you ahead of time there could be okay. consequences what i was gonna say was there is a period of time where the red sox yankees rivalry 
transcended sports and was genuinely a pop culture phenomenon. Like it was, that's not an exaggeration, like lost, which I never watched, but was the biggest show on television for years. They wrote a key, a massive cliffhanger plot point, and they based it around the Red Sox winning the world series. Oceans 12 which everyone hated at the time, but which I actually now think is maybe the best of the three Ocean's 11 movies. Ocean's 12, same thing. They they had a, a whole heist that was planned around a Red Sox and a Yankee fan getting on a fight on a train in Europe. Um, You know, like the, it's fighting force. Fever pitch, but that was also coincidence that it happened fever that yeah that was a coincidence. But I would even like, did you well, watch wasn't a coincidence Forrester? it was the Red Sox. It was the Red Sox for the reason of them being it was a coincidence team. that they won the world series yeah right but it was, was not a coincidence that they were the team chosen yeah the point is like they it was the the rivalry was a genuine pop culture phenomenon i can and prove they were it the to you. two biggest teams in sports in 2005 so this is you know right toward the tail end of it in the summer so the season going on this is after 2004 so obviously red sox right i was in new zealand and we were hiking on this like deserted island and there was just one family coming the other way and then the guy was wearing a red sox hat i'm like oh my god it wasn't i was like red sox he's like he's basically like i just you know that I, I saw i like him but he was kiwi he was not american mm-hmm. and he had just he was literally all the way around the world yeah and it was such a big deal and You know, for a while there, the Red Sox and Yankees were like the American version of Real Madrid and Barcelona. It was like it was the two of us. And then there was a big drop down. And then there was the rest of the league. And I don't necessarily mean that in terms of quality, but it certainly was true in spending. And it was just true in like curing. It was true in quality. They were I know that the Yankees lost the Marlins, but. Red Sox fans know when Josh Beckett gets cooking in the playoffs, it might just mean your ass. Yeah. And that fever broke. Right. And it had and it broke before even the Mookie trade. This is what I mean. Where like it wasn't even necessarily John Henry's doings. Like the sellout streak ended. The Yankees it fizzled out in 2000. Like the first game of 2005 was like Randy Johnson versus Schilling. Cause that's when Randy Johnson went to the Yankees. And that started this sort of. For the Yankees, at least, let's just keep adding these, like the New York Rangers thing, where they just got Gretzky and like yeah. old Messier, and like and it worked for them in two thousand nine, and right. it worked for them in two thousand nine. But then post two thousand nine, they you know they stayed competitive, but they were competitive in kind of a blah, uninteresting way. They tore the old stadium down, built a, a terrible, soulless corporate mall instead. And like the fever broke. And I wonder if when that happened, John Henry began to see the Red Sox as, you know, no longer Barcelona to the Yankees, Real Madrid, but just like there are the Yankees and now there are the Dodgers upsetting the apple cart. And he views the Red Sox as just sort of in the next group of Phillies, Giants, Cubs, Mets. I think it's all just. He wanted to do it one way. They want it one way. They did it another way. Then they did it a totally random way in 2013. And then 2018 was very deliberate. And he did exactly what he set out to do, him and Dombrowski. 
And I think that was just like, well, what do I do after this? Let's go win the Champions League. And like, that's literally as soon as 2018 ended, I think he was like, okay, I, I've gone through all the choose your own adventures here. I'm, I'm sort of done with this book. Yeah, that yeah, that's I mean, it. That the, sounds the funny thing about Yankee Stadium is like they didn't get a new stadium. They like they took their stadium, which was a piece of shit, and it was cool because it was a piece of shit, and it was incredibly loud. And they're basically okay. So here's what we're going to do. See the stadium? Okay, we're going to build this exact stadium, but it sucks. And they're like, great, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Because even we're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it quieter. We're going to make it more expensive. I remember the first few years I would go, you know, get a couple in me and I would literally just, I wouldn't forget because it's not as fun, but you could forget because it looks like they, they made it look exactly the same on the inside uh, that you were in the new one, but now they have enough bills. Anyway, fuck them. So I, so, okay. So this brings up a question I never thought of. Were you happy the Astros cheated? So they beat the Yankees. Because we beat them, so yeah. Well, the cheating scandal has never bothered me nearly as much it's just as their assholes. Almost everyone else. Uh, I just don't like that they were like total fucking assholes about it and weren't just like, yeah, whatever, you got us, we'll stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this type of cheating has been going on throughout the entire history of baseball. And it's the shot heard around the world. The shot heard around the world. Bobby Thompson knew what pitch was coming because the Giants had binoculars. And like their clubhouse was in center field. The Giants had a binocular and some kind of like bell system set up. It's the exact same fucking thing that the that the Astros were doing with the trash cans. Like this shit's been around for a while. It doesn't bother me that much. So yes, I still cherish Jose Altuve's home run off Aroldis Chapman to this day. Yeah, that's the other part. It's like oh. I hate the Astros, and I kind of do. But yeah, if you take uh, Aroldis, Aroldis has the most satisfying highlights of getting. I know he has won a World Series, but of just getting mm-hmm. owned in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And that stupid grin, that nervous grin he has. Oh, it's, I love it. I love it. Fuck Couldn't it. happen to a better guy. <laughs> no, seriously. All right, uh, where were we? <laughs> I don't know. You One said you wanted to go for some more things. I mean, I think to to put a bow on the at least Werner part of it, I think this seems a little bit more loosey-goosey because Tom Werner is a little bit more loosey-goosey. TV exec, you know, Gladhander, probably, you know, imagine Jack Donaghy, but not funny. And there you go. Yeah. And, you know, it's now that I think about it, too, the, the, the same thing, I, I initially was thinking that because Tom Werner is still involved in TV, Maybe he is. Uh, maybe his head is is still in a, more of a normal place than John Henry's. Because if you're working and if you have to work with other people, you, you know you, you you can't misunderstand the world the way that a totally isolated billionaire is allowed to. But do you know the new show that Werner's just launched? No, I don't. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's got uh, it's got a guy from Two and a Half Men. And another guy from Scrubs in it, and it's a concept. You might be interested in this concept. That the, the concept is that uh, there's this married couple that's been divorced, um, but instead of having two different houses where the kids go back and forth, 
they keep the kids in one house and the mother and the father take turns moving into that house. And the mother's remarried. So it's sort of about like the three of them. And, and the, what the inspiration for this show was, this is apparently what Wick Grusbeck or is it Steve Paliuka? Huh. I don't remember who's Wick or Steve, uh-huh. one of the Celtics owners. This is apparently like how his real, what happened in his real life after he got a divorce. So even in that case where Tom Werner is still working, he's still only getting ideas from other billionaires. Okay. A couple things about that. Uh, one, the I have um, one of my best friends in the world is getting divorced, and outside of her being married, they're doing they they're doing exactly that. They bought an apartment, or leased an apartment, and they switch. They go back and forth. The parents, do. kids don't. So while that he may have gotten the idea from another. Boston sports owner uh, on their WhatsApp chat, their group chat. I, th- I think I the article I read, I think it was literally like they were on a yacht in Nantucket Harbor or something when they, oh, okay. when they well now you said it. You said it. Now my fucking hackles are up. <gasps> might 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 be the vineyard. Don't get too excited. Very easily could have been the I don't vineyard. think Werner's a vineyard guy. I have not I sort of no like Dershowitz, you know. obviously I know. But Hmm. Yeah, I mean they're uh, they're all weird. The second thing I was going to say is that the, the smartest kid in the history of my high school who came, he like worked at boutique hedge funds, like not, and he worked directly for Pags, like directly for him. Yeah. And then he quit, and now he teaches school. Oh, I thought you were going to have a Paliuka story. No, I don't have any. It it is it is it's it was, so it was Wick apparently. By the way, okay. Um, let me see if I can find that. Yeah, but when you're talking about a sports owner and their house, this really <clears throat> we're not talking a uh it's not a studio giant. apartment. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Do you want to talk about Chris Sale saying <laughs> excuse me? That the Red Sox he didn't consider it. What did he say? Productive or good years. And he said no. And I would expect him to say that based on the second contract. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. What, uh, the, the Chris Sale era is in the books. Um, I don't think it was a very complicated era. You know, is it feels very uh, weird to me that he's going to be on, on the Braves. Just that. I don't know. Just seems weird. You think that you you don't think he has Braves energy? The weird part is I think he has like extreme Braves energy, and it still looks weird. Yeah, like like hunting, uh, like Trot Nixon, Trot Nixon adjacent energy. Well, that's Southern energy, but Trot Nixon is like backwood. It's more backwoods. But I think that that's yeah. a lot of Braves fans. Actually, actually, that is Chris Sale. Is Chris Sale like as a red backwoods as... guy or is he a Florida man? Okay, he's definitely a Florida man. Because he is literally from Central Florida. <laughs> yeah, he is literally a Florida man. Fair yeah. point. So I think. But I think there. I think I think plenty of Florida men have a perfectly fine living in Atlanta. 
Yeah, I think that's probably true. And especially, especially since he won't step foot in Atlanta probably during his entire career. No, that's a good point. Yeah, they don't have to do that. Now. He will be yeah. in Marietta. That's where you will find him. That is true. No, I'm I'm done with Chris Sale. I'm ready. I like I I'm I am I am I think I'm gonna start driving the Von Grissom bus here soon. No, you're right. I driving. really I, I love driving. everything. We love so he, your driving. Yeah, he came to rookie development camp, even though he's not a rookie. He's he's been here in Boston. He's like he's like, I want to meet these guys, I want to see Fenway, I want to see the city. He didn't have to do that. And he did that right after he went to Trevor Story's infielder camp. A lot of camp for, for, the, for the Red Sox these days. Long-time um, listeners of podcasts, the flagship podcast for Over the Monster, now Monsters of Sox podcast, might recognize an infatuation, uh, Dan's infatuation with Vaughn Grissom as reminiscent of Matt Collins's with Mauricio Dubon. But that was more of a minor league fling. Yeah, no, Grissom, I think, is going to be like an all-star. I do, and I think he's got... Dubon's been I, much better than I thought he would be. Like, he's stuck I, around. I did. Yeah, I did like Dubon. I actually... I like him. him. He's like just a baseball player, and a, like as a compliment. Like, you're just a baseball player. Um, But no, Grissom just seems like cool as shit. He seems like the type of guy who can fit in the market. Uh, He's already, apparently... But the first person who spoke with him after the trade was Tristan Casas. Who can also showed Cassis up at rookie development up? camp? Can he ask Cassis to light? That might be the best thing. Von did Grissom, you, be like, dude, it's okay. It's did okay. you hear? So it was your birthday on Monday. Woo! It was I mean, also yeah. It was also my wife's birthday, Martin Luther right. King's birthday, and Tristan Casas's birthday. Shane um, McMahon. No, I don't. Did you hear what uh, Tristan Casas had for his birthday? No. Do you want you want to guess? It, it, it's it's I don't know. It, you you it, forget about it. You wouldn't guess, but he says my dad went to my favorite butchery shop in Miami. Oh, nice. I, I don't know. I've never heard anyone call it a butchery shop, but I'll let that slide. And he got me an Australian Wagyu tomahawk, then a separate Japanese A five Wagyu ribeye. So I had both of those for the birthday dinner. Is that what you That's had so for cool. your birthday dinner at Floyd? No, the birthday dinner ended up just being the oysters, really, and beer. We had eaten That's, quite I'll a take bit that over two steaks. Two steaks. We had quite we had quite a bit to eat the night before uh, and during the day. So, yeah. no, Casas Casas was the first person who called Von Grissom, um, and then they Casas is going to Winter Weekend because he's not a coward who was who's, uh, isolated uh, with his billionaire friends and he decided to come up early to go to rookie development camp too so i don't know if it's still going on or if it ended yesterday but for the past two or three days in fenway park it's been marcelo meyer and roman anthony and kyle teal and von grissom and tristan casas hanging out you know it's just i don't know what they exactly do at rookie development camp but i think they Take some pictures. I think they probably read the science of hitting together in a in a group classroom setting. We're gonna uh, get one of those shirts with the, the those pictures with the shirts off, like you have for Jeter and all them back in the day. It's too cold up here for that. I think. By the uh, way, I is- think I know why Cassis is there. I know why Grissom is there. He's he's a good guy. He wants to be part of the organization. Same is true with uh, Cassis. I think he's also just horny, and he's just like he go to these things. He could just be like, "Oh, hey." 
let's uh let's talk later who's gonna say no come on you don't you don't think he can do that in miami it might just be easier for that just easier he's got to focus on getting better at hitting we don't want him to spend the problem solving I don't know. You're 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 not wrong. It it definitely is easy for him if that's his goal. I'm not picking Springfield, Massachusetts over Miami, Florida. <laughs> I'm not making that choice. You know, there's there's some, respect to Springfield. There's something to that. It's not the choice that. I'm making. Perhaps I'm projecting. Uh, God, you know, it's amazing. I have been so depressed about the Red Sox for the past three days. Really, I really have. It's it's been. It's been sad to contemplate yet another season of mediocrity, yet another season of if things break right, we can get third place. Um, but like five minutes of thinking about Tristan Costas and Von Grissom has me excited again. <laughs> this is how John Henry does it. This is how he does it. He knows he's got us. There's also, and I just thought of this because I was sort of forward thinking to that is pretty bleak. And I know you're not the biggest basketball fan, but the Celtics right now are in fact a title or bust team. Yeah. So if they do the first part and they don't bust, the city will forever remit. You know, we've won, you know, the Patriots and the uh, Red Sox won in the same year. And we remember those, but if it's like, oh, okay, the Celtics won the title, the Red Sox are sort of off the hook. That's just how it is. I yeah, I don't. Well, I'm not sure I see it that way. I think it, plus new coach sense, for the Patriots. Boom. In one sense, the Red Sox have actually gotten lucky the past two years. They've gotten lucky in that they started the seasons well. Um, and if that luck runs out, if if they have if if April. 2024 ends up looking a little bit more like September 2023 while at the same time the Bruins and the Celtics are charging towards championships you're right that doesn't look good it doesn't look good and the stands in Fenway may you know the Red Sox are one of the only teams in baseball whose attendance still has not recovered to pre-pandemic levels and part of that may be like I was discussing before that there was the the fever around the Red Sox was kind of unsustainable and was you know inevitably going to break to some extent. I don't know. It's sustained for a long, 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 sure long time. It sure did. Um, but so they have they they did technically their in, their attendance did increase from 2022 to 2023, but it only increased by one percent. Attendance league wide last year increased by nine percent. Right, so the Red Sox are slipping relative to their 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 peer, their market basket teams. And next year, if they don't get off to a good start, we could actually see them dip in attendance and fall further, you know, from their their pre pandemic normal. That's fine with me. I, you know, if they, the only good part about that is that. That's some like tree of liberty shit where if they can't sell tickets and the only people who get to go are like the people who could never afford to go before. It's like kids who wouldn't have otherwise gone. There is 
an upside to that in, yeah, not everyone, you know, we will die and people won't care. Uh, they'll know what happened at this era of Red Sox, but these people could be building their own relationship with the team that will necessarily, unlike us, who are very backward looking, only be forward looking. I'm trying to look at the bright side here. I'm trying. <laughs> you are. You are trying. Bright, bright side, Brian. That's what they call you. I mean, what what sounds like is that they're just becoming the Mets without like Steve Cohen independent. Just you know what I mean. Meaning, oh yeah, yeah we you want to go to the blank game? Eh, no, sure. I don't know. Well, what's yeah. the weather going to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, Fifty. How much are uh, how much are tickets? <laughs> you know, and then just like it's a thing. You don't plan your day around it necessarily you just sort of decide and it's much easier to do that in boston for what it's worth yeah well unless unless you work on roosevelt app now yeah uh that's possibility it certainly seems like that's you're gonna work on roosevelt avenue no no that's not a possibility uh that's possibility that is the state of the team next year it's certainly trending that way and that depresses me um it just sucks that you know i'm looking out the window there's snow on the ground and I don't, I have less hope. I, I, I like everything Breslow's done. So I like all the moves he's made so far, but I have less hope about the 2024 team than I did even about the 2023 team. Cause at least with that team, I could delude myself into saying, well, Chris sale might stay healthy. I'm see, I'm the exact opposite boat. It's wild. I'm just like any, any, reason this team gives me to be happy i'm gonna take it i'm not questioning it if they they might finish with a worse record than last year and i'll be much happier i'm sure by the end of it yeah i probably i don't think that's gonna happen i think they are i i do think they were better than their record reflected last year you know we all we all saw what that september was like alex core i don't think was trying all that hard to win baseball games <laughs> It was a team that was mentally and emotionally checked out. I don't think they were quite that bad. I think they were close to like an 80-win talent-level team. Um, and the bottom line is they just haven't improved on that at all. They have not. All right, you want to do some recommendations and get out of here? Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. I will recommend. I have lots of choices because I've watched a bunch of movies. Had a bunch of fun experiences, had a bunch of not fun experiences, but I am going to be my snobby self and go back to the Hamlet well, sort of. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead on Prime. Oh, okay. That's, uh, it's that's very what... funny. Yeah. It stars Wait, is Gary that, Oldman. Is that... Okay, go ahead. It stars Gary Ullman and, T- and Tim Roth. There okay. Albert Brooks isn't involved. He's not. I thought it's, he was, uh, and I despise Albert Brooks. So okay, so I don't know it's why. Tom Stoppard, and it's the only movie he ever directed, because they were going to make a movie of it. I'm not like a. I don't know offhand his other stuff, but I was reading up on this. Anyhow, mm-hmm. it actually takes place basically during Hamlet, and sometimes they will wander into a scene where Hamlet is taking place, and they will have their lines from Hamlet, 
and the people will leave and they'll say something like, what the fuck was that? And, um, it's very funny. And uh, I unrepentantly am going to flog it. So there you go. You can clip that too. I will watch that uh, long Never. before I watch a Soviet adaptation of Hamlet on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, was it Hamlet or was it one of the other ones? I don't know. Of course, it was Hamlet. All right. Um, I I will watch that. I will watch that. Um, I actually have been kind of watching some older movies lately. Uh, I I've never I have always hated older movies because it's always been uh, fairly obvious to me that compared to new movies, old movies suck. And I and I still I strongly disagree. Okay, I strongly. I think the storytelling lacked nuance. I think uh, early Hollywood's complete inability to deal with sex is a real blind spot in every single movie made before like 1976. Um, it just they they just don't appeal to me that much. You sound like Tracy Jordan's wife, who in Thirty Rock, someone is producing her single. And she's like, who the fuck are you? Like, who you work with? Who? Who the fuck are the Beatles? Uh, well, I know music I feel differently about. Music I feel differently about. And you're incorrect for a very specific reason. It cost, the, the, the resources were so scarce at the time that the good movies, I would argue, are of a sustained higher quality because everything is more considered than it is now it doesn't mean that now it doesn't have many 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 benefits <clears throat> compared to older films and obviously there are good movies made now there were good movies made in the past anyhow you've been reading you've been watching old movies and what happened because for me one day it was just like boop oh that seems interesting well i i've been i i've mostly the old movies i've been mostly been watching i've been watching old james bond movies so you've been on prime as well Yes. And I have a weird relationship to the James Bond franchise because if you ask me, do I like the James Bond movies? I would probably be like, eh, no, not really. And yet I think at this point I now have seen every one of them. <laughs> and I think the, the, the reason for that discrepancy is I, I don't think any of them individually are that good as movies. But I think the entire concept is very interesting to think about. And I think it's very interesting to watch how the character evolves and how the storytelling evolves, you know, and how they, 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 what they want to say about the world changes over time. And so my recommendation is actually going to be the two Bond movies that generally everyone kind of forgets about and hates about the Timothy Dalton era. I finally got around to watching the Timothy Dalton Bond movies. The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights. And what was the other one? That's the other thing that bothers me about Bond movies is the titles mean nothing. So I never actually can remember like which one is which. Casino so Royale and Goldfinger are pretty on the nose. Those two. Other than that, you can literally just throw all the titles in a hat and assign them randomly to all the other movies. Golden Eyes. And well. it'll okay. all be and they'll all be fine. Um, but the, the Timothy Dalton movie, the first one in particular is like kind of a taut spy thriller that, that does away with a lot of the dumb stuff about the bond movies that I hate and Dalton in particular, like he kind of is, 
he's Daniel Craig before Daniel Craig. Like he shows emotions in a way that Sean Connery and Roger Moore never ever did. Like you see him at, at one point, there's a scene in the movie where he goes to like a festival with the girl and he like wins prizes and he goes on a roller coaster and you know sean connery on a roller coaster would just be like oh going up we're going down and timothy dalton's like Wee! you know and he gets sad at other points and uh it's i don't know it's 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 i i can see why a lot of people at the time thought he sucked because he he doesn't he he's not as suave as Connery or Moore was. And in fact, there's the, the few points in the movie where he has to say one of the dumb bond quips, you know, Oh, he, he hit a dead end or whatever like that, which is another thing I've always hated about the movies and thought was dumb. Like Timothy Dalton sucks at that. <laughs> Whereas Sean Connery excelled at it. Um, and I think that again, like that's probably why people didn't like Dalton. But for me, who's always found those quips to be like the dumbest part of the movies, like I think I think the fact that Timothy Dalton sucks at it is a point in his favor because he's actually trying to be a real person. Well, Dalton also just comes across as I just I, I think he plays this extremely well. Like the, to me, his character in Hot Fuzz is the best use of Timothy Dalton. You, do you even know what I'm talking about? I know the movie. Haven't seen it. You've seen the meme, though. I promise you, where the employee of the month sign is behind him and he's smiling, and it's his face, and it's his. He's in the foreground and the background and the employee of the month thing. I promise you've seen it. Anyhow, who's your favorite Bond? All right, so I it it's easily Daniel Craig, easily. I, I, I thought I think... you were going to say Connery. I no, thought you were going to say Connery. After no, not at all, because like I said, like Daniel, so uh, Timothy, Sean Connery, Sean Connery's Bond isn't a real person. Sean Connery's Bond is some is a fantasy. Um, I liked, I like, like Timothy Dalton's Bond tried to be, and I think Daniel Craig eventually succeeded at what Dalton was trying to do. And you know, Craig can do the quips that Timothy Dalton couldn't. But the reason why Daniel Craig can do literally anything he wants acting, he's incredible. And the reason why that character specifically can do it is because Daniel Craig took James Bond and was like, what if this guy, yes, is suave and smooth and cool in the way that Sean Connery's was, but what if he is also like a cynical asshole who you probably wouldn't want to be friends with, right? (laughs) And so... When Daniel Craig says, oh, I guess he hit a dead end, he says that because he's a broken man inside who, and life and death like no longer means anything to him. You know, that's not the case with any of the previous Bonds. Um, so I think Daniel Craig is easily the best. I, I think the one George Lazenby movie was really good, too. I am tempted. I am serious. I, I am. Te- I'll have to maybe I'll write about this and, and make myself a real main character of the day. But if you're asking me right now, I my honest answer is I think Craig is the best. I think I think I like the Lazenby movie the next. And fuck it. I'm going to say Dalton Moore. Connery is the worst. Well, you forgot Brosnan, so I mean. Oh, yeah. He's obviously the worst. That's <laughs> What are you talking about? He's, he's the worst. He's, those no, movies sucked. No, no, no. The, la- uh, the GoldenEye is good. The other three suck. I, like, they're, they're unwatchable. I will... They're utterly unwatchable. GoldenEye is good. And not just because of the video game. The video game and it just happened to 
coincide. Okay. Do you have a favorite? So here's what you should do. You should rank, you should assign the Red Sox a Bond movie that describes each one. Yeah, I can try and do that. That will still, that will necessitate me knowing the titles, which is the big problem. <laughs> okay, so that's going to be the problem. But I guess I, I mean, can... I, I, I agree with you on Craig. It's just, he's far and away the best. And I'm, and I'm so excited about whoever they pick next, just because I want to see if they can't, I want to see if they're going to go back tour. I mean, they're not going to go totally backwards, obviously, to like misogynist bond, mm-hmm. plainly. But my the person I want to do it the most, the two people would be like Daniel Kaluuya, because that guy barely has to talk to own the screen, and that mm-hmm. would make any one-liners even better. Or Florence Pugh, if they want to just go crazy with it. You are obsessed with Florence Pugh. It's possible. It's possible. Have you seen uh, Little Drummer Girl? I saw the first few minutes and I meant to watch it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you could right. look at that. I mean, it's a it's a John Lake. No, that would be like her. It was like Daniel Craig was in Layer Cake. Yeah, which yeah. is basically I'm playing his audition to Bond. They say course. I don't I don't care for Layer Cake either. I think that movie sucked. It makes you feel it. it it's like, do you want to feel cool superficially? Has that, one of the great needle Ritchie drops movie, though. right? Yes, but it has one of the great yeah. needle drops. Uh when this guy's getting his face kicked in. Anyhow, speaking of getting their face kicked in, I hope everybody enjoys Happy the Red winter Sox weekend. press conference <laughs> and winter weekend. Please have fun. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Give us five stars or don't, but don't give us four. Just give us five stars or just don't do anything. All right. That's Dan Secretary. I'm Brian Joyner. We'll be back. The Red Sox might have done something. They might have not. Happy birthday, Brian, and Thank my you, wife, Dan. and Martin Luther King, and Tristan Casas, and uh, Shane McMahon. Uh, hold on, I uh... all right, bye, guys. We don't need to add him. Too late. <laughs>